Welcome to Make Me Your Voice with Pastor David Bartowell. These messages are intended to deepen your faith and trust in a living God who speaks to us with hope and reason. Today's message comes to us from the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California. Good morning. Good to be with you this morning. We've been praying. We pray every week, by the way, over the chairs and everything. So if you feel like little tingling things, that's the Holy Spirit. We have like the Holy Spirit button. Now, the Spirit of Christ is here. Raise your hand if you still believe God can heal today. All right, we know that. We're going to watch a short video of a woman who is sharing a testimony that she was diagnosed with MS and someone invited her to church, and that's where we go into this video. So watch this. At first, I mean, me, I was New Age, Buddhism, Hinduism, all that mixed together. Here, Jeff is an atheist, so what are we doing sitting in a pew? I was agreeing only because I thought it will distract her from the pain and the agony of MS. But... They were so nice to us, and we just decided we wanted to go back again. And then we went back every Sunday. It stirred us. We were being stirred. We were being touched by God. I wanted to commit myself to Him. They met with the pastor to find out more. He took us through a membership class, and I learned about grace. And so we got up in front of the whole church and said, we believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. It was life-changing, life-changing. As Sue grew spiritually, her health was deteriorating. The doctors were out of options and offered her chemotherapy in an attempt to slow down the disease. I got so sick. I just said to Jeff, I can't, I, I don't think I can do this anymore. I really want to stop. Within just a few weeks of stopping the chemotherapy, everything intensified, everything went downhill. That was uh, very difficult, very difficult time. One Sunday, her pastor shocked the congregation. He was standing in the pulpit and said, I'm going to stick my neck out. I've had a vision, and in it, Sue, you are healed. And I didn't believe healing was for today. And yet my face lit up, and I smiled. Sue's doubt didn't stop her pastor, and he met with her and Jeff regularly for Bible study. He says, the first thing we need to do is go to Hebrews 13, 8. Read it out loud. The minute I said, Jesus Christ is the same, the same yesterday and today and forever, I was immediately convicted that I had limited God. I was saying, he doesn't do that. And this word was telling me, oh, yeah, he does. <laughs> the story goes on. She ends up being healed. Sometimes God works that way. The point is this, unless you believe God can heal, you're going to remain hopeless. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, here's the good news today. You've been healed. In fact, the Bible says in Isaiah, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his, read that with me, wounds we are healed. That's the eternal healing of God's forgiveness, which is the greatest sickness we have, is sin. You know, suffering is a part of life, and a lot of people think, oh, if I give my life to Jesus Christ, then I won't have to suffer. That's the wrong gospel. In fact, when we give our life to Jesus Christ, we will suffer because Jesus suffered. 
He went to the cross, and we walk with him to the cross where we die daily. But at the same time, believers should be the most hopeful people in the whole world because we believe in a God that can heal. Nothing is impossible with God. Do you believe that today? The fact of the matter is God can do what he wants whenever he wants. It's up to him. But unless we believe that he can do that, we're hopeless. The truth heals because the truth is Jesus Christ. And he's our healer. He's our savior. So today we're going to talk about, we're going to continue the sermon series, The Truth Heals with Set Free from the Problems of Life. We will talk about The Truth Heals Health Problems. Now there's four types of health problems. There's mental health problems. We have a lot of talk about that in our country today. That's covered a little in chapter two of the sermon series. So you can go back and look at that. Emotional healing we need. And that's also covered in part two of the series. Spiritual healing is the most important. That was covered in chapter three. And then today we're going to talk about physical healing as Jesus healed a man that was born blind. See, God loves your whole self. And he cares about your whole self. So why can God heal? We have to get this down before we can talk about healing. We have to believe who God is. God can heal because he's sovereign. He's in control. God didn't just make the universe and then just go on a break. He's still actively holding the universe together. He's the creator of all things. He's holding you together, in fact, the Bible says. And God knows you better than you know yourself. In Jeremiah, it reads, Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. And read this next part with me. Nothing is too hard for you. And Isaiah says, Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, who formed you from the womb. I am the Lord who made all things, who alone stretched out the heavens, who spread out the earth by myself. God does not need anything outside himself. He's all-powerful, all-sufficient, but yet he loves you and wants a relationship with you, and he wants to touch your life, and he wants to heal you of sin, which is the most important healing. I remember when Facebook started, I was like, nobody's going to use that thing. That's why I'm not Mark Zuckerberg, right? If I had a question about writing code, for social media. Who would be the person, the expert? It would be him, right? I mean, he kind of invented that code, right? Now, if I had a question about my body, who would I go to? You would maybe go to a doctor, but who wrote the code? God. So go to God. He wrote the code. He made your body. So we should go to him for health problems. Psalm 139, 13 through 14, the psalmist writes, For you created my inmost being, which is my inner parts. Every part of you is created by God. You knit me together. That means designed me in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. So the psalmist is giving us a glimpse that God created us and formed us and designed us in our mother's womb. Now, last week, we talked about the lies of the devil and how the serpent wants to steal your identity. And he's the father of lies. And one of the most destructive lies, he says, is that the baby in your womb is just a clump of cells when, in fact, God is designing you and using your mother's womb as an incubator because nothing belongs to you, not even your womb. See, Satan wants to kill all things that belong to God. 
which includes everyone ever born or ever conceived. That's why Herod, who is a type of Satan, King Herod during Jesus' time, went after all the sons that were born because he wanted to kill Jesus before he was born. That's what Satan wants to do. God knit you together, and he can re-knit you together if you're sick. We had the privilege just recently to go pray with some friends at their house after our friend was uh, diagnosed with a type of cancer. And there were so many people in this house. They asked me if I would pray over them, and I, we prayed. And it's been a long journey for this man, but we just found out last week he's cured of cancer. He's in remission. Here's the thing. Was it like some incredible prayer that I prayed? No. It's an incredible God who works even in the midst of our weakness when we have faith. Now, here's the thing about faith, because you hear a lot of people, oh, have more faith. No, it's who you have your faith in. It's not having more faith. I can have faith in the chair that's going to hold me up, but I'm not going to have faith in that chair that's going to save me eternally or heal me. So it's in whom you have faith. Jeremiah, God says about Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. That word formed is create. And it's the same word used in Genesis. Then the Lord God formed man out of dust. God created you in your mother's womb. And that word knew, it's the word yada in Hebrew. And it's a word of intimate knowledge. It's the same word used in Genesis where it says, Now the man had relations, yada, knew his wife. It's that intimate knowing. That's how God knows you. And God also knew you this way. He says, For those God foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So God has formed you and knows you and has chosen you, because that word yada can also mean choose, the same way God chose Jeremiah to be a prophet from before he was born, before he was even created. Guess what? God chose you to be in the family of God. Read this verse with me, Ephesians 1.4. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. God is sovereign. He's in control of all things and he knows you so he can heal you. Secondly, God is divine. If you've ever taken a 12-step or 8-step recovery program, they tell you, find a higher power, right? And some people choose another person. If they're not a believer, they might be an atheist. So they choose like the group. The group is my higher power. I actually had one person tell me that the doorknob was his higher power. I, okay, if it works for you. But let me tell you this. There's no higher power than God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the Bible. In Exodus 22, it says, I am the Lord, Yahweh, your God. He said that to Israel and he says it to you. He is your God. There's no other God above him. Psalm 92 says, before the mountains were born or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You're the same yesterday, today and forever. The same things he did yesterday, he can do today. Now, why would you want to go to anyone or anything else for healing aside from God? Before God revealed himself to Moses as Yahweh, he was known as Elohim, which was like a common name for God at that time. But when Moses asked God to reveal who he was, this is what God said. I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am. Yahweh has sent me to you. He is. He's all you need. Jesus Christ came on the scene, and that's why he ticked off the Pharisees and the religious leaders, because he actually said this to them. 
Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. He said, he's claiming to be God. They knew. Before Abraham was born, Yahweh. They tried to kill him, and they did it. They put him on a cross, but God allowed that to happen for our salvation. Third, he's loving. God loves you. When you come to God, he not only knows you, he loves you. Why would God care about me? Here's the thing. I don't know the answer to that question, but he does. There's a lot of people who limit God. Stop limiting God. If God created everything by a spoken word, he can recreate you by a spoken word. And that's what he did as when he saved you. But he's not that done with you yet. He's still working in your life. When God revealed himself to Moses, this happened. The Lord passed by in front of Moses and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth. You know what that word in Hebrew is, loving kindness? Kesed. I love that word because it feels like, like God has kissed me. Kesed. It's that kind of intimate love. Psalm 51.1 says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. 1 John 4.9 This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. Just knowing God loves me can heal me, make me feel better. Now let's find ourselves in the story today in John chapter 9. And you might want to turn there in your Bible. We're going to look at the great physician, Jesus Christ. He's known as the great physician because in Mark 2.17, he says, it is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come call the righteous, but sinners. I like what Sir William Osler said, who's a Canadian physician. He helped found John Hopkins Hospital. He says, the good physician treats the disease the great physician treats the patient who has the disease. And that's why oftentimes Jesus would say, your sins are forgiven. Stand up and walk. Your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. In other words, he looked at the patient and knew the root symptom. You know, when we're sick, and it's, maybe it's a chronic ailment. Maybe it's even depression, which is very depressing <laughs> to have depression. And you don't know what's going on. Here's the thing. What I always prayed was, God... Show me what the root of the problem is. I'm tired of having symptoms treated. Treat the root of what's going on. But that's a dangerous prayer because we'll talk about that in a minute. But Jesus knows that our greatest need is for God's forgiveness. That word save in Greek, sozo, is the same word for heal. So when we're saved, we're healed. And when we're healed, we're saved spiritually. Now, when Jesus would heal someone physically, he would almost always speak to the spiritual sickness because our body is one. We're connected. Today, we see Jesus heal one of many blind men in the Bible. Now, here's the context. Jesus had just ticked off the Pharisees by saying what I just said. He said, before Abraham, I was born. So that's John 8, 58. They picked up stones to throw at him. And the Bible says, but Jesus hid himself. But you know what that literally means? Jesus made himself invisible. Now, it's funny to me how he just said, I am God, and then he shows he's God by making himself invisible. Then this happens. As he passed by or as he went along, he saw a blind man from birth, so Jesus notices people who are sick. He notices the down and out. The disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? Now, 
Notice the difference. Jesus notices the sick man. The disciples want to have a theological discussion as to why he's sick. Look, I can get in theological discussions just like anybody else. But unless we're noticing the sick person, it's meaningless. Now, this man was born blind. Did God mess up? No. We don't understand why things happen like this. But we know that God has a plan through it. Now, the disciples assumed that this was due to sin. It says, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? Now, since the man was born blind, this would mean that he would sin in his mother's womb. Highly unlikely. But there was a pagan belief during this time that if a pregnant woman worshipped in a pagan temple, the baby would have been a part of that sin and therefore cursed. And we do know that in protecting the baby in the womb, there's certain things pregnant women should not do or should not put in their body so that they protect the baby from sickness. But it seems improbable that the baby sinned And the disciples asking whether or not the parents had anything to do with the man's sickness would align with Exodus chapter 20, verse 5, where it states that certain sins and sicknesses can be passed down from generation to generation. However, we have to be careful with that because if you know anything about Job in the Bible, he had those unfriendly friends who blamed Job for everything that was happening in his life. That did not help the situation. That wasn't true. Job did nothing wrong. God was testing him, which he has every right to do. So here's the first thing. Sometimes health problems can be caused by sin. Now, let me clarify that. All health problems are caused by the nature of sin because in the garden, Adam and Eve were made perfect. Their body was actually made to last. And because they sinned, we have inherited that sin. So we live in a fallen, sinful world. Therefore, people get sick. But that's not how it will be in heaven. There'll be no more sickness. So all sickness is due to sin. But some health problems, would you agree with me, are due to certain sins. You know, like if I smoke, I have a higher propensity to get sick or cancer or some type of thing. Lack of exercise can cause things. So here's the thing. All sins are forgiven in Christ, but consequences of sin linger and can be a mean and purpose behind sickness. Secondly, sometimes health problems can be for God's glory. This man was born blind. The disciples asked him, hey, Jesus, or they said, Rabbi, teacher, whose fault was it? Was it the parents' fault? And Jesus said, It was neither this man's sin nor his parents, but here's the key. But it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Do you know who Nicholas James Vujicic is? He's an Australian Christian evangelist. He's a motivational speaker. He was born with a disease called tetraamelia syndrome, which is a rare disorder characterized by the absence of arms and legs. I want you to watch and hear a little about his testimony. I was born in Melbourne, Australia, 1982, and my parents had no idea that I was going to be born without arms or legs. I was the only one that I ever saw without limbs. My faith in Jesus Christ was sealed after seven years of wondering why, God, I was born this way. 
he answered me very clearly through John chapter 9. And I gave my life to Jesus at 15 after reading about how he came across a man who was born blind. And I'm like, hey, hold on a second. This looks interesting. <laughs> and no one knew why he was born that way. I'm like, perfect. So I read on and in verse 3 of the ninth chapter, Jesus said, it was done so that the works of God would be revealed through him. And I'm like, wow, God, if you had a plan for the blind man, you do have a plan for me. And that was the beginning of my personal relationship with Jesus. Youth groups were starting to call me. Churches were starting to call me. Opportunities were opening up everywhere for me to share my testimony. I was speaking in front of 300 sophomore public high school students. Three minutes into it, half the girls were crying. One girl in the middle of the room started weeping. She put up her hand and she said, I'm so sorry to interrupt, but can I come up there and give you a hug? In front of everyone, she came and she hugged me. She cried on my shoulder and whispered in my ear, no one's ever told me that they love me. No one's ever told me that I'm beautiful the way that I am. I couldn't believe it. It changed my life. At that moment, I knew God was ministering to her through me. It's not by my speech or my power. It was God. And my heart was ignited with a passion. And it was an awesome day to see one soul transformed forever. That was when I knew I was called to be a worldwide evangelist. Today, do not leave here can do with your broken pieces until you give God your broken pieces. And I want you to know when you fall down, God's grace is sufficient. God's hand will come down and pick you up. Give me the strength to get back up. In the first seven years of ministry, God opened up doors for me to speak 2,000 times across 44 countries on six continents from university campuses, 40,000 students in China, to India, where we're talking to sex slaves, to crowds in the jungle of India, 110,000 people, down to Indonesia and all of Southeast Asia, to speaking at congresses of nations like Colombia and Costa Rica, where you see the leaders of that nation commit that country to the Lord Jesus, to Korea and speaking to the next generation about depression and suicide, and to Eastern Europe, where we did Serbia, Slovenia, and Croatia. Then doors in the Middle East, the message of hope was spread throughout the whole Arab world. That is God. That is God. Why was he born that way? So that God's words could be displayed through him. And that's not the only time Jesus said that. He said to Lazarus, who was dead, he said, this sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Even in death, God is glorified. So in verse 4, it goes on, Jesus said, We must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. So Jesus, his time on earth was short. And here's what we need to learn from that statement, is our time on earth is short. So we should work with urgency for the glory of God. 
He says, while I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Now, is Jesus still in the world today? Yes. His spirit is working in powerful ways. In fact, before he ascended to the Father in heaven, he said, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And what he meant by that is when I go to the Father, the Holy Spirit will be poured out and the Holy Spirit will come and dwell in the life of the believer. So don't limit God. Next, sometimes God will use medicine to heal you. Sadly, some believers limit God by limiting His resources. Can God use anything or anyone for His glory? Can He use doctors? Think about 1927 was the year before penicillin was discovered. If you got an infection, you'd probably die. Does God use medicine? Yes. So look what Jesus said. When He had said this, what did He say? He said, I am the light of the world. Now He's going to bring light into the blind man's dark world, but he's going to do it his way. He spits on the ground, makes clay of that spit, and applies it to the man's eyes. What's that all about, right? Well, some people, there's different views of this. Some people would say, oh, it's a symbol of creation because God took the clay of the earth and formed the man. Some people would say Jesus used it to cause irritation so that the man would go to the pool because irritation leads to irrigation. There's others who believe that the culture of the day believe that human spit, when mixed with dirt, and this is the key, put into the hands of someone who was authorized, so a physician, that could be transformational and a medical blessing. So which is it? I believe it's a little of all three. But think about number three, because I think Jesus speaks people's language. I think the people of that day would see what he was doing. He was an authorized physician, and he's using what other physicians would use. It's not the only time Jesus did it. Other times, he would do similar things. Sometimes he would just speak or touch. Here's the point. God heals all kinds of ways. I've had that trial, that three-year trial that I can look back and say, thank you, Lord, for that, because that broke me and brought me to my knees in a way that nothing else could. God knew that that chronic illness and that constant challenge in my life was the only thing that would bring me to a place of constant reliance on Him. So I thank Him. I also thank Him for healing me of that. I remember when I was going through that, nothing worked. And then one time I was in a church service, and it wasn't our own church. It was a different church. And the pastor stood up. He goes, if there's anyone sick tonight, we want to come up. And would you just share a little bit about what you're struggling with? We want to pray for you. And I was like, I'm not going up there. I'm a pastor. I'm like, but I knew I had to go. And I walked up there, and they gave me the mic. And I said, I'm struggling with stomach problems and this and that. And I shared what I was struggling with. And they prayed for me. And afterwards, a Christian doctor at the time, he came to me and we became close friends. He said, I think I can help you. And he started treating me. And one thing led to the next. And I can tell you that stomach issue was a bigger problem. And I eventually had to have stomach surgery, which was very challenging when I went through it. But I can tell you right now, it changed my life. I couldn't even sleep laying down. I had to sleep sitting up. 
Would God have done it some other way? Maybe. But the fact of the matter is I got out of my seat in that church service and I talked and I said, I need help. I think what we need to understand is that the main aspect of faith is humility and saying, I need help. I can't do this on my own. I need help. And the greatest medicine of all is God's word. That's why every week when we are together, we are being healed by the word of God. But you have to believe it and not for other people, for yourself. So that's why the next thing that happens is so important. Sometimes God expects me to do my part. This is where faith comes in. So Jesus spits on the ground. He makes this clay, puts his spit in the thing and puts it on the guy's eyes. And then he says to him, so he speaks to him the word of God. Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. And so the man went and washed and came back seeing. And it's interesting, the one who was sent, Jesus, sends this man who was blind to a pool called Sent. And because he went in faith, he was healed. Now, what if the man said, oh, man, how embarrassing is this? It's already weird enough that he put spit on dirt and put it in my eye. Who knows how far it was, but I got to walk in front of all these people I can't see, so I got help. I need help. That's not worth it, Lord. He would have missed his miracle. Are you kidding me? I always say that your miracle's right around the corner. You just got to walk there. I'll never forget when I first got sick and I stood in front of our church. We're only like two years old. We had just started. And I stood up there. I said, look, I carried you for two years. I need you to carry me. I can't do this. And I'll never forget, they went outside. They started a prayer uh, ministry for me 24-7. They gave me a list of everyone who was praying. Connie was there. I mean, other people were there. I remember it was amazing, amazing. But I had to do my part. I had to become humble enough that I would stand up there and not go, oh, I'm the pastor. I'm just supposed to take care of everybody. No, I'm not Jesus. I'm like you, a broken person who needs help. That's why I love our church. We're honest. I could have said, oh, this is so embarrassing. You know, and the pastor of the church standing in front, I'm going to miss my miracle because... I'm too much of a prideful person. Get off the throne. Come on. God has formed you. He's the one who can transform you. All you have to do is believe that he can do it and act in humility and faith in him, not in yourself or anything else, and let him do what he wants to do. Right now, we're going to go into a time I want to spend as long as it takes You might be here today, and you came, and you're broken, and you need healing. This could be your miracle today. Now, I'm not telling you 100% sure God's going to do it that way. But I will tell you this. If you're willing to take that step, something's going to happen. Because God always accomplishes what he sets out to do, and he's just waiting for you to do your part. Pastor David Bartowell's message reminds us that God speaks to us with hope and reason so that we can be his voice in this world. Please join us again for Make Me Your Voice, a ministry of the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California. We would love to have you visit if you're in the area. For more information or to find our location, please visit thegateoc.com. Make me-